Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. Hi there, this is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, there are many ways of getting our show. You can download directly from our website at techcentral.ie. Use a smartphone podcast app. Uh, iTunes, of course, always there for you. Or you can turn us on on the radio. There's a thing. Every Friday with DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Joining me as always is Editor-in-Chief of Tech Central, Niall Kitson. Uh, a couple of interesting things to talk about this week but first Niall uh, we had our competition last week we had a fantastic Sony Xperia as uh, uh, X phone to give away and we were talking to um, uh, we were talking about science fiction writing tell me do we have a winner and do we have an answer to the competition we do indeed yeah um, the question as you might recall was which science journal was named after a famous science fiction writer and the answer of course was Isaac Asimov Ta-da. and our winner was Colm Doyle from Dublin so congratulations Colm excellent brand new Sony Xperia X phone on its way to you enjoy alright now uh, the, I mean today um, as we are going on the air uh, there is only one thing that everybody's talking about and that's Black Friday I mean, I don't even know where this came. I know it came from America and I know it's post-Thanksgiving, but I don't even know where it started. Have you any idea where that started? Oh, it's, it's very American, really. Very isn't it? American, I mean, this, isn't it? This, this is their 7th of December, really, isn't it? it exactly. I, I, yes, it's Culture Day in America. <laughs> 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 but listen, the, the, the question is, how big is Black Friday getting? I, I think it's one of these things where, you know, the way American culture just proliferates and all of a sudden everything is homogenous and a, a little bit meaningless. I think this is just another example. And I think it comes from Amazon being such a massive company and, you know, an American company that, you know, we, we get to know all about American holidays and rituals and all this kind of nonsense. So uh, Black Friday is a thing in America. Therefore, Black Friday is a thing online. Therefore, Black Friday is something we get to enjoy. Therefore, Black Friday is something everybody else follows doing. Now, far be it for me to downplay the importance of uh, a day where you can pick up a nice bargain on the Christmas side of the sales when things are still, you know, uh, regular sizes instead of instead of odd sizes. You know, you're probably aware of that uh, experience when you, you go to the sales and you're thinking, wow, everything's going to be mad cheap. And it's like everything they couldn't sell before Christmas. Exactly. Is uh, sorry, sir. We only have <laughs> extra, extra, extra large. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've all fallen into that trap. So uh, I guess it's a it's a nice thing that you get a a, a day of the sales before Christmas. Uh, and I wonder how successful it is at getting rid of inventory, you know, or like, is it is it really the best deals are on things that, you know, it you has kind of to have be an idea it's going to shift? It has to be because we've all done it. All right. It's, I, I need to go out shopping. I have to buy something for uncle, whatever. As like, uh, that'll do. I don't care if it's XXXXL. <laughs> he'll take the hint (laughs) go to the gym (laughs) it's almost like you'd be better off just giving you giving people money and say just go get but of course then you're into the whole trap of like you know well how much do you give them and all that kind of stuff like you know well I tell you from a journalist point of view I get an awful lot of press releases in now talking about the the great Black Friday deals that are coming on I read each of these and I'm like if it's so wonderful advertise it Don't Mm. don't just tell me I mean, I'm not going to write up an article about your one-day sale. Well, that's what they want to do. It's called free advertising, you see. Advertorial. 
advertorial. You know, pay me if you want to do that. <laughs> Otherwise, you're, you're just dressing up an ad in the shape of a news story and it's, it's not. It is quite interesting that, as you say, that Amazon seemed to be like, you know, one of the biggest drivers uh, behind this uh, because Amazon are, are advertising the fact, you know, with billboards and that kind of stuff, like, you know, kind of in the, in the UK and in France and other places in, in Europe. I mean, they're, they're really pushing it out. And I suppose they're probably up against um, Alibaba and uh, their Singles Day. You know, the Alibaba Singles Day? Yeah, they're, that raked in well over a billion dollars. Um, in the first ago, five minutes, in the first five minutes, oh at, the, my goodness. at the end of the day, they turned over $18 billion in one day. That would solve our country's debt problem. Uh, well, listen, we were handed a, 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 we were handed a, a tax uh, thing from Apple for thirteen billion, and uh, <laughs> that didn't solve the problem. Uh, well, that's because we don't want it. Don't oh, mention God the sake. war. Don't mention the what, war. What a country! <laughs> um, yes, but uh, the Alibaba, and it's funny how they come out with all these, like you know, Singles Day and Black Friday and stuff like that. Anyways, uh, I hope uh, uh, whatever it is that you're up to, that you manage to bag yourself some kind of a, a little tech bargain, which actually reminds me uh, that. Next week, we've got an excellent show lined up because uh, you and I are going to be going through what we want for Christmas. Yeah, a few interesting nuggets already. I know you've been talking to me about things that you want. Yeah, and yeah, I've, yeah. I've got keep, my Santi list. Keep, keep a lid on it. Keep a lid on it for next week. Listen, the uh, the other th- story that we're talking about this week, and I'm actually amazed that we're talking about this now. Uh, this is the year 2016 and we still don't have computer science on the Irish Leaving Cert. Yeah, that situation might be about to change uh, in a little while, thanks to a report that was commissioned three years ago and overseen by Dublin City University uh, President Brian McRaith. We are finally getting a report uh, about the state of STEM subjects in secondary school. That's science, technology, engineering and maths, as we all know. And uh, this report has made 50 recommendations um, amongst them. Fairly common sense stuff that makes you wonder why this doesn't happen anyway, um, where, you know, for example, in STEM subjects, uh, you have to be actually qualified in the subject you're teaching. So if you're teaching physics, for example, you actually have to have done physics, uh, which, duh. <laughs> and um, we are now looking at a stage where computer science has been recommended uh, to be taught at Leaving Cert level, uh, which is great news. Uh, however, what I'm concerned about is the level of pushback because we have 50 recommendations that was made in this report as I said three years in the making the Minister for Education uh, Richard Bruton has said okay I've got 21 of these that we can bring in Mm, fairly quickly I think the computer science one is going to be interesting in that this is a subject that wouldn't have been available when many teachers were actually training so it would be new territory for an awful lot of teachers um, and therefore maybe not something they want to upskill in in the first place your okay. thoughts, Dusty? Yeah, uh, well, uh, I, I think you're talking complete balderdash there, uh, young man. Uh, to, okay. To, to, well, no, sorry, to, just about, you know, that uh, many people have not been brought up to speed on how to, how to teach it. We've had computers since the early 70s manageable computers since the early 70s that weren't locked away in, com- in government, you know, basements or, or whatever. We've had personal computers since the, uh, uh, since the 80s. We've had the internet since the 90s. Why aren't we teaching computer coding? People have been writing HTML on their own websites and Perl coding and all that kind of stuff for like 20 years and we still don't have computer science. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And and what what I think is, like, I, I've been covering this um, subject off and on for years, really, for as long as I've been writing on technology. And unfortunately, the state of technology in schools now, technology in, in terms of computer literacy, mm-hmm. 
there has always been one or two champions in a school that knows what's going on, that has an interest in teaching the subject and does it pretty much off their own bat. Either, you know, they're looking at cabling and infrastructure or they're teaching computer classes to transition your students. It's it's a labour of love for a lot of educators and it's not, that's not acceptable in this day and age. I mean, we're, we're talking about Ireland as a tech hub. We don't have computer science being taught in secondary schools. I, you, you can't, you can't continue like that. Um, so I think the report is great news overall. I wonder what the uptake will be, how many teachers will stand up and say, I'm not interested in teaching the subject. It's not my contract, yada, yada. How much of that we're going to see, if we're going to see any, or whether teachers will stand up and go, you know, this is fantastic. It's an opportunity mm. for me to learn something that I can pass on to my class. Bring it. Well, listen, very simply, you've just got to think long term and you've got to think five, ten years down the line. And there's people who are studying in school at the moment who may well want to go into computer science teaching in another five or ten years time. Yeah, I imagine there's a healthy, um, healthy cohort there. And I really hope that the department is going to really nurture that interest. Exactly. I'm hopeful. Exactly, exactly. All right. Well, listen, that's our uh, chit chat for this week. Now, thanks as always. Let's get into our uh, our interview and see who you've been talking to this week. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. It's often said that everybody's got a book in them, um, but the publishing industry is big and it's complex and it's off-putting and, you know, whatever about the challenge of writing a book, then getting it published is another thing altogether. One way to bypass that, though, is to publish directly on Amazon. And there are plenty of writers out there who've decided that print isn't for them, but that digital is the way to get out and get their work uh, read. And I've met several of those writers and they're very happy with the uh, solution. However, to find out more, Niall went to the Kindle Direct Publishing UK manager, Darren Hardy, who was at the recent Writing.ie event and had a very, very interesting conversation with him. I'm out in the Davenport Hotel today to um, get a preview of Writing.ie's event on self-publishing, uh, all the details of which I'm sure are up on Writing.ie's website. And um, in particular, I'm speaking to Darren Hardy, who's the head of Kindle Direct Publishing. And, um, you know, before we get too alarmist about the state of the book industry, you know, I, I, just to establish his bona fides straight away, he, he did begin in regular uh, book selling and then moved over to Amazon. So he's a, he, we're not going to get too much in the way of Kool-Aid. We're just going to get a fairly objective market analysis, I hope. Um, so, okay, Darren, just tell us a little bit about your career to date and how you came to be came to be in Amazon, I suppose, came, came to be in the world's largest retailer of books, um, starting at very uh, modest beginnings. Mm, um, so, yes, I started off, I guess, as many people do in book selling, sort of fresh out of university, sort of trying to earn some money while deciding what I wanted to do with my life, um, and then found actually the whole world of books and book selling was uh, really interesting, and I just love the sort of interaction with readers I loved the interaction with authors um, and so gradually found myself sort of building um, a career um, and uh, about 13 years ago now it frightens me that it's that long ago sort of moved to Amazon uh, which just seemed like a really interesting way in which you sort of get books more widely distributed and then uh, three years ago moved into Kindle Direct Publishing so now my work involves um, working directly with authors sort of listening to how their um, experience of, of Kindle Direct Publishing is going and then just sort of trying to see how we can do even more to help authors find their readers. 
I think to, to jump straight into the Kindle and the impact that it's had on the industry, I, mean, I bought my first Kindle uh, about three or four weeks ago now, right. uh, and we're, we're reasonably happy together at the moment. There's a, a little bit of a, uh, maybe a honeymoon period going on, right. but it's, it's very interesting to see that the Kindle, how it has had an effect on publishing pretty much the same way that the iPod or the MP3 player in general had on digital music. But I find that the rules are very different this time around with digital publishing, that I think publishers have been much more savvy uh, as to how people use and interact with their devices, as opposed to in the music industry, where they had a very different conception of, the, of what their product was. Um, to what extent do you think um, that music industry experience informed how publishers approach a digital product? Mm. Uh, that's a really interesting question. I'm not sure in terms of the music industry experience. I think one of the things I hear a lot about um, from authors is just, especially with independent authors, you're free to try lots of different things. You know, as an independent author, you have complete control over what you choose to do in terms of how you market the book, um, you know, what sort of uh, length you publish. You know, in, in the sort of traditional model of publishing a printed book, there are certain constraints around physical production. With a digital book, you you don't have those constraints in the same way. So authors that potentially would have been interested in publishing, let's say, a novella and might have found that cost prohibitive in the past, suddenly those, those doors are open. And so I think there's that real sense of experimentation and, and trying things. And because you have complete control of, of what you publish, you, know, you make the choices as the author. And so I think lots of authors are trying lots of different things. And, and I'm sure we'll hear um, tomorrow in, in many of our panel sessions, many independent authors happily talk about the things that didn't necessarily work, but they've learned a huge amount from and will also happily sort of share those things that have worked and and so you can sort of then get a whole group of people learning how you use social media or learning how you use mailing lists and those kind of things and it really helps i think those authors who are first starting out to see some of the do's and don'ts and some of the sort of top tips i suppose rather than sort of starting from scratch all the time i think that really is one of the most attractive elements um of Kindle publishing uh, with, without becoming a booster on these things because the publishing industry, it's, it's very big and it's very vast and it's very intimidating but the saying goes that everybody has a book in them mm. so when you don't want to or you're you know quite unsure of how to approach the industry in terms of maybe finding an agent or a publisher do you find that Kindle publishing is really sort of that tentative first step for people that you know they go well I tried it on Kindle mm. and then I tried you know securing an agent mm. or something yeah I, I mean certainly in some instances authors definitely go down that road I mean I think many people think about the fact that you know can they become a best-selling author and do they get to the top of the charts and all those kind of things but for many authors that's not really how you start out what you do is you you have an idea you want to publish that idea and then if you sell five copies you're absolutely delighted and we hear this from many authors who sort of talk about what it felt like when they opened their sales report and saw they'd sold five copies and then a week later that had become ten copies and, and, and in many instances there's this whole momentum builds up and so I think it sort of happens over it evolves over time that suddenly an author might reflect on the fact that they're what might have seemed like fairly modest aspirations suddenly built into quite significant aspirations about what they can do with their um, publishing um, and then in many instances that becomes a full-time career you know and I think there are many authors now who sort of maybe start off fairly tentatively I've got this book that I might like to publish what are my options who then a year or two down the line reflect on the fact that now they have a full-time career they've got a sort of several different novels or books inside them that they want to sort of find ways of publishing and look back and, and are quite astonished by how far it's come and I think that's why events like tomorrow are so exciting because 
many of the authors that are appearing on the stage went through exactly that process. You know, maybe they're now hugely best-selling authors, but they all started in very similar ways of sort of tentative steps and, and a sort of career building. So it's really exciting from that point of view, and hopefully will inspire many other people who are thinking, well, you know, should I give this a go to actually take the plunge when you talk about tentative steps there, there is always that element of managing expectations though as well uh, i mean for a for a debut author say you've just finished your your book in commas that mm. you ha- just have to get outside uh, outside there to what extent do do people sort of get enthused or disappointed when the sales figures start coming in and they think gosh you know is my book rubbish when it just hasn't been promoted correctly Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think many i think the key thing to bear in mind is many authors have very different aspirations for their publishing Um, and you know some authors don't necessarily want to become a number one best-selling author they just want to sort of get their book out there and perhaps it's a family history or something that they really want to sort of record and capture for you know for posterity for their relatives to read over time Um, and i think there are other authors that do um, take a very serious approach to wanting to build a career um, and following some of the sort of steps that are necessary to sort of really take it seriously. So as an independent author, you have complete choice about how you approach your publishing career. You can do it all all yourself if you want to and just put the book up there and see what happens. But increasingly you find that those authors that really want to build a career are hiring um, cover designers, they're hiring editors, they're sort of building a business team essentially around them to help them achieve their sort of goals. Even though we sort of talk about individuals publishing independently, in many cases they're working within a team of people, but they're choosing who those teams are and they're sort of doing the things that they enjoy doing themselves and then hiring people to do some of the other tasks that maybe they don't have time to do or they don't particularly want to do. So I think um, that helps authors shape the sort of... um, career or the sort of trajectory that they want and there's no one person saying you have to do it this way it's for you as the author to decide well here are my aspirations here are my goals what do i then need to do to to meet those goals one of the things that we hear an awful lot about now is um, analytics, which seems to inform almost every element of the business world at the moment. Are we seeing sort of digitally published authors um, looking towards the analytics and going, I wrote this, it worked out really well, I'll do more of this, uh, as opposed to sort of working maybe on direct reader feedback or, or what they feel? Are we starting to see that analytics-driven approach kick in? Um, again, I think it's down to the authors. Um, and there are certainly many authors that I've met who absolutely love poring over sales figures and, and sort of working out where their sales are coming from. Equally, there are many authors that love the, the social interaction side of things and, and really enjoy having a Facebook community or a mailing list that they can interact with. And um, we often hear, actually, for many authors, they sort of get involved in those kind of areas and find a real sort of um, balance between the creative side of things and the business side, if you want to call it that sort of uh, that name. Um, and I think um, if you're interested in those kind of things, absolutely, you have access to sales information, you know, and you have access to all sorts of things online nowadays that help you sort of learn about your business. Um, but if you don't want to do that, then you can focus on the creative side of things, put your books out there and see what happens. So let's say I've um, I've been working on a book for quite a while. Maybe, you know, it's taken a year or two out of my life, maybe maybe a lot more in some cases. Um, and I'm having trouble getting getting my book to market, either finding an agent or a publisher that's interested. So, uh, and I've decided to go the Kindle route. So tell me a little bit about the process of getting from, you know, the file on my computer to a file on somebody's Kindle. 
Well, of course, many authors actually are, are looking at independent publishing as the first option. You sort of mentioned there around the sort of frustrations of other different ways of, of getting published. I think for many authors, when you're writing that book, the, the creative part of the process is so important. You know, I mean, it's obvious, but write a good book is such a, a sort of important part of it. But once you've done that, you really then need to think as an author what's important for you in terms of how you get your book to, to readers. But yes, if you've got to that point where your book is ready to go, you've sort of finished it, you've had it edited, um, you can then go through a really simple upload process on the Amazon website. Now, if you have an Amazon account, you can log in with your Amazon account and it will sort of uh, map all your details into that. Um, and there's a few steps that you go through in terms of um, sort of creating your title, putting your title in there, putting in a product description, um, giving us some sort of pointers in terms of the, the metadata. So, you know, is this part of a series? Um, what are the keywords that should be applied to your book in terms of helping search find it? Um, and then a really simple upload process. And as you go through the upload process, there are a number of sort of internal QA processes that go through looking for potential spelling mistakes, those kind of things. Um, and as the author, you can um, you go through a sort, of, uh, a sort of preview process where you can actually review what your text looks like on a range of Kindle devices. Now, obviously, readers may choose to read your book through a Kindle app or they may read it on their computer, but for many people reading a, um, through a device, you can actually see what it looks like. Um, and then as the author, you choose your price point. You can go through a list of territories in which you wish to publish. The amazing thing for many authors is you can be sat in your... Um, you know, house in Dublin and you can choose you know, do you want your book to be published into Australian customers, do you want it to be published to customers in South America, wherever around the world um, and as the author you get to choose what type of cover you put on your book so potentially you may have hired a cover designer to make a cover for you or we have some tools that enable you to create a cover and you can upload that onto the website and then you know, assuming you're ready for it, uh, ready uh, with all of that there's a sort of go button, you just publish um, and away it goes and within 24 hours or so it will be ready on the website for customers to buy and it's really interesting how many authors we hear about this that will go through that process and just how nerve-wracking that sort of publish button is and you're making that decision to put your book out there in front of readers but you know it's it's because it's in your control you choose how you go through that process you can take as much time as you like and um, there's all sorts of help pages and sort of explanatory notes about all the different sort of things that you should consider as the author so you can go back to it take your time um, and then when you're ready away you go uh, it does sound like a simple process, but with, a, with every simple process, there are plenty of simple errors that, that can confound um, people as well. So uh, what are the, the more common errors that you see people um, people doing, whether it's, you know, not having the correct metadata and maybe having a, a poor description? Well, what are the usual sort of um, pitfalls? Well, I think there's always a number of key things to think about in terms of how, how are you going to sort of do the best you can by the book that you've written. So thinking about the title is really important and um, thinking about your cover designs. We hear from many authors who talk about the fact that what they'll do is they'll research their genre. You know, they'll look at what other authors are doing in those areas. Um, and you can, if you think about things like crime, crime, um, the category in genre, there's a certain style to many of those book covers. And I think for many authors, you want to fit in with that. You want your readers to understand what it is that they're going to be buying. And that goes for things like product descriptions as well, the actual synopsis of the book. You need to sort of set it up in such a way that your your potential readers are really sort of enticed by the product description you've written without sort of giving away all the plot lines or without going through huge sort of levels of detail in terms of trying to explain everything. It's sort of setting out your stall in many ways and encouraging people that may have found your book through a recommendation that this is the one that they want to try. So thinking about that product descriptor
description, thinking about the cover artwork, thinking about how you have titled your book so that it's really sort of enticing for your readers. I think they're some of the key points to bear in mind. Um, and, and then sort of what you then choose to do beyond that. Obviously, publishing is one step. But then as the author, you need to decide, do you want to market your book? Do you want to engage with readers in social media? Do you want to go down the route of maybe sort of um, paying for some marketing as the author? That's your choice. Um, but I think there's some of the things to think about early, you know, so that you don't potentially sort of put your book out there and then wonder why certain things have or haven't happened. Just plan it early. Make sure you know exactly what you're going to do and then sort of work to that plan. I think something that intimidates uh, a lot of people when they start out uh, in any small to medium business is how to engage in social media and, you know, what exactly is a successful benchmark? Is it the amount of followers? Is it the amount of comments? Uh, Is it actual sales? So how do you sort of um, sit down an author and say, look, one kind of interaction is nice, Mm. but ultimately it's the conversions that matter. Well, again, I think it's for the author to decide. There are so many authors that love the social media aspect of interacting with their readers, and it's not necessarily done in order to sort of drive a specific sale. It's the fact that they love hearing about what people thought about their writing, you know, and they love getting feedback. Um, There's one author who's speaking tomorrow, Mark Dawson, who spends a huge amount of time working with a, he has a beta reader group that he sort of interacts with ahead of publication, and they really help him with sort of factual elements elements to his stories. He writes lots of sort of thrillers and they're very fast paced, often involve you know, sort of um, firearms and all those sorts of things. And he gets really useful feedback from that. And there are other authors that just love building a community. And they, um, and we, we know of some authors that will then sort of throw parties for their readers, you know, and they'll have launch parties for their books and, and everyone just gets together and has a love, you know, has a great time. But you're right. I mean, there can be elements where does that take away from the creative side? Does that take away from the actual time you spend writing? And that's where, as the author, you need to decide what's right for you, you know, because you don't want to spend hours doing something that you just don't like doing. You know, if you're not comfortable with interacting with others in social media, then nobody tells you that you have to do it. You know, it may be that that will be a really great way in which you build readership, but if you're not comfortable with it, then you don't have to do that. So I think then you know, it's for the author to decide almost how, where do they set the, the sort of level and if that's you know they set it to as far as they're prepared to go and then they should you know, not go any further than that and uh, I think that's one of the great things about it you know is you get that choice when it comes to um, working with traditional publishers uh, I guess a lot of people publish things online with the, the sort of the half thought that there's a, a, a real inverted commas publisher reading and they're going to swoop in and, and take their their title and it'll be the next Twilight or the next Fifty Shades or, or whatever um, does that actually happen? Do publishers keep an eye on what's happening? I'm sure they do, just as everybody does. I mean, you know, the Amazon charts are a really great way of finding out what's new and you know, what's bubbling under. Um, I'm sure publishers do that. I mean, we, we hear many authors, that is absolutely what they're thinking about doing. They want to publish their book, demonstrate that there is a readership for it, and then use that as a way of taking a next step in a process, if that's the way they want to go. Similarly, there are many authors that don't. They just want to put their book out there, um, and they're quite happy sort of doing it that way. We, In fact, we increase increasingly hear about authors who go through that route and then do have publishers knocking on their door but say actually you know what I'm really enjoying doing things the way I'm doing it you know, the control the freedom to make the decisions that I want to do and um, are quite happy sort of carrying on on that route so again as the author um, publishing independently you have complete control so you're not tied into a long
long-term contract. You're not tied into any kind of commitment. You publish your book. Um, if you choose not to publish anything else, so be it. If you choose to switch that book off independently because you have been offered a deal, that's up to you. So I think the great thing about that route is it's a sort of really low-risk way of getting your books out there and finding your readers. As the author, what you then choose to do beyond that is entirely down to you. And that was Niall talking to Darren Hardy from uh, Kindle Direct Publishing, the UK manager for that. Uh, Niall, you've just got a Kindle recently uh, and you are a journalist. Is there a book in you? Will you be publishing soon? Uh, oh, yeah, it's called Stuff <laughs> I Know About Dusty That Nobody Wants to... <laughs> that nobody wants <laughs> that to That he doesn't know. want revealed. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be one of those one pages for like a euro. <laughs> 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 All right, listen, just before we uh, head off for uh, this week, tell me, uh, what is our one more thing for the show this week? Yeah, um, this week I can really recommend a very interesting interview we've done with uh, Professor Peter O'Brien from the Irish Photonic Integration Centre, which is out in the Tyndall National Institute in Cork. If you're interested in research in Ireland, in STEM, uh, read it. It's it's great. Excellent. You can see that and you get all the latest Irish tech news with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more. Right, as Niall says, on the website techcentral.ie as well as our little weekly tech radio show here online and every Friday. Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Next week, an abundance of ideas for Christmas gifts for yourself as Niall and myself uh, get our little wish list out there in the world. Until then, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Thank you.